Hi everyone, my name is Danny from First Healthcare Compliance, and with me today I have Stephen Bittinger of Bittinger Law. How are you today, Stephen? I'm doing really well. Yourself? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for making the time to talk with us today. I appreciate so, the opportunity. So I just wanted to kind of dive right in here and talk to you a little bit about what you guys do and what really makes Bittinger Law unique among healthcare law firms. Certainly. Uh, I'm Glad to go into some details. So we are a very specialized practice. Uh, we focus almost exclusively around healthcare reimbursement, uh, both defense and compliance. So that leads into a number of different legal arenas, uh, but all of it focused back on the reimbursement piece. Uh, we do a great amount of audit defense uh, for federal, state, and private payers. Um, without goes without saying that audits are a massive headache for practices and sometimes can be absolutely crippling. And we, we over the years we've really developed some unique strategies for how to resolve the audits quickly uh, and really reduce the damages. The second major area that we work in um, is is reimbursement compliance, and, and those are the clients that we love to have. They come to us before there's big problems or when they get that very first records request. And so we like helping those clients. Uh, it's always more rewarding to prevent problems than to solve really big ones. Uh, so legal payer compliance is not only coding and medical policy adherence, but it, it includes the contractual level, the regulation, the structural level of compliance. And then the third major area uh, is, is all the pitfalls involved in failures of reimbursement compliance, like when the OIG shows up or FBI, uh, decredentialing proceedings, litigation with payers, false claims act, both you know key TAM prosecution and defense, uh, and similar other difficult patterns. You know, our, our firm is, is pretty unique in that our knowledge base both starts and ends with legal reimbursement. Um, many of the large healthcare law firms include some of these areas of practice, but they are among many others. You know, it's just item number 30 on the list. But we really live and breathe the law as it applies to healthcare reimbursement and protecting uh, providers' revenue cycle. So that's how we are really focused, and because that's what we do, we're, we're always kind of on the forefront and researching where it's going, uh, both in law and policy. That's great. I, I love hearing about all the different areas that you guys work in and all the different ways that you're helping you know, a variety of, of your clients. Could you give me a little more detail about how you guys define the legal side of healthcare reimbursement defense and the compliance that goes along with that? Certainly. The best way to explain it is, is kind of divided up by the layers. Uh, so obviously you begin with coding services. Um, we're one of the few law firms in the country that we have full-time coding and compliance specialists inside the law firm uh, because that's, we do so much of it that we have you know specialists that help interpret and, and, and do the research and, and work with the coding system um, inside our law firm. And we work with a lot of external experts when we need to, um, but we start with that fundamental piece, the mechanics of reimbursement coding, how it's paid, how it goes through. And the second one is uh, the legal construct 
over uh, with the payer. All right, so we we got to look at the the rules for coding. All right, versus the legal grounds with the payer contract. All right, so for private payers, that's your participating contract, the incorporated payer manual, and medical policies, and how all of those fit together uh, on top of the coding regulations. So. We, we, that's with the private payers, and, and I say it's a little different world with federal um, and even Medicaid, obviously, um, because they have a lot of different nuances, and CMS has got lots of different standards. But the important piece to remember is that if a private payer is silent on a piece, the contract with them normally defaults to CMS standards. Um, so CMS is kind of the flagship for the, the law, the rules for reimbursement and so we we go from there all right um, to what I call the dark abyss of quote unquote contracts because there's actually litigation and lots of it of whether or not your participating agreement with Medicare and, and Medicaid is actually a contract um, but we won't go into all that nuance at the moment um, but that that level is really uh, you know the coding the contracts, the medical policies, the federal and then state regulations as well. And so in when for a lawyer we talk about regulations and we talk about statutes. Statutes are the big black letter version of what the rules are for the state and there's federal versions too. And then regulations are administrative rules. Now they're technically guidelines but they can be enforceable too. So needless to say, the complexity uh, and f frequent conflict between all of those different regulations and laws uh, creates a lot of different layers of duties, rights, and responsibilities that overwhelm a lot of private medical practices. That's definitely a little above my head. I'm glad there are companies like you guys who can help healthcare practices kind of break all of this down and understand everything. So what type of legal matters do you find that you guys help most providers and practices with? Certainly. Um, you know, I mentioned some of the main ones before, but our, our predominant work is in audit defense and, and compliance. And uh, the heart of our reimbursement knowledge uh, has, has taken us, you know, from audit defense at our very inception uh, to some really interesting areas. And, and so we represent individual providers in state board defense when it's related to like unethical billing. Um, and we've had some phenomenal success with establishing that this was negligence, not intentional misconduct with billing in front of the boards. Um, we defend against healthcare fraud investigations because you know, you'll get a very excited FBI agent who swears he's got a winner, but nobody understands the reimbursement problems. And so we have frequently defended FBI, OIG, HHS, and Attorney General investigations with great success. Uh, we just shut down three of those in the last six months. Uh, we have both defended against and prosecuted false claims cases. These are the whistleblower cases. Um, so we, what we don't do is white-collar criminal defense. So. If a client comes to us and it's really fraud, I have some good white-collar attorneys that I will refer you to, but that's like 5% of the time. Nine, vast majority of the time, it's, it's providers who 
innocently but negligently got into a mess. Um, we've defended providers in many decredentialing hearings because I mean we just had a victory against a, a large private payer in Virginia a month ago that saved his practice. You know, one single private payer was 60% of his practice, and so that felt great. Uh, termination proceedings against the payers. Uh, we also uh, find ourselves with, uh, in, with you know, aired findings by the the auditors in their overpayments because we got to remember that the auditors are these big companies that hire lots of very young and experienced people, and so we have a really good success rate with appealing audit findings. Uh, I, I always like to tell my clients that I. I I normally can always save you much, much more than I will cost you. And, and, and we've done enough of these that I can make that determination pretty easily at the get-go. Um, so that feels good to know that we've, we save providers a lot of expense in overpayments from audits. So generally, uh, if it boils back down to something going wrong with reimbursement, we've seen just about all of it. So if I'm a provider or a practice and these legal issues are something that I'm concerned about, when's the best time for me to reach out to a healthcare attorney and, and when, why? Always beforehand. Always. I cannot express. So um, that very first records request you get from a private payer asking for 15 or 20 charts, that's when you need to talk to somebody who understands what all of that means. You don't just send off the charts and wait for some terrible results to come back in three to four months. The really smart providers, lots of our clients, they have us come in for a little bit of time every quarter to keep up with you know, their payer requirements, and so we really encourage that. Um, you know, Many times we, we've stopped some, some terrible, terrible effects just because we got a phone call like the day an auditor team showed up unannounced at a practice. So a lot of the quote-unquote fraud auditors for Medicare like to pretend they're the FBI and come in with letters of authority and, and demanding uh, to talk to people and demanding records. And they actually don't have any right to do that. So a phone call to, to, to us can stop that in its tracks and prevent a lot of issues. So knowing the right people at the right time before the problems are really big is key. It seems like a lot of what you said kind of boils back to education and how all of that ties together, making sure that, you know, as a provider or practice that you're staying informed. Would you agree with that? Would you say that that's a big part? Absolutely. Education kills fear. And fear often causes providers to ignore their responsibilities or to fail to receive everything that they should be getting for the work that they're doing. Healthcare is a very complicated arena, and for a private practitioner that it's, that's trying to do the work, run the business, do the billing, you know, it's never something that you want to do alone. And, and, and having good people to work with is essential to having a successful private practice. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us and help educate some of the providers and practices that we work with. Was there anything else that you wanted to share with our listeners today? Uh, not besides, I appreciate the opportunity to be on. Uh, uh, we love working regularly with First Healthcare Compliance. We think you guys uh, provide a great service and are a really good team. 
Well, thank you. We could say the same thing about you guys. Um, so, again, thank you so much for talking with me, and have a great rest of your day. All right. Thank you very much.